The Marine and the Hippie is a weekly conversation about current events aimed at presenting alternative viewpoints while looking for common ground. We are the Marine and the Hippie. The Marine and the Hippie, episode two, minimum, Americans, minimum. Minimum is the smallest amount needed for anything. When we apply this to American life, it is the minimum we need to survive. Is the American government providing the minimum that we need as American citizens to survive? Hey, this is the Marine and the Hippie. I'm Dylan. I'm the Hippie. And this is episode two. We're talking about minimum. Americans, minimum. Uh, we're we're, we're going to explore today what what are the basic needs of a citizen in America and should the government provide those? Hmm. Hey, this is Doc, uh, the Marine. I'm here with Dylan. I'm actually not with Dylan. I'm uh, on the other side of the world from Dylan right now. Uh, but yeah, it, and this is a really interesting question. At some point uh, in the past, I wrote uh, a blog post about fairness. And I think that you know having a different idea about what we consider fair uh, really kind of helps us, you know, get to that idea about the minimum. But I think we do need a different idea about what we think of as the minimum. I've been on Twitter and social media and reading the news. And right now, one of the big the big topics is minimum wage. And oh, my gosh, Joe Biden is going to give us fifteen dollars an hour by twenty twenty five. Well, you know, with the price, with inflation and cost of living going up, and the and the cost of med- medical care going up, and gas and everything, that fifteen fifteen dollars an hour really, in twenty in twenty twenty five, really doesn't mean much to me. And I also look at the word minimum, and and I say, well, it's the minimum needed to do X, and the minimum wage is the minimum needed for what to get paid well that doesn't really equal anything Mm. what it should equal is this is the amount of money that you need the minimum amount of money that you need to pay for an apartment pay for a car pay for gas pay for your medical put a little bit into savings pay for your food and pay for a little bit of entertainment maybe a couple drinks here and there a joint whatever but to have a minimum lifestyle that 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 all citizens can enjoy. I think the minimum in the minimum wage refers to the minimum that bosses are legally allowed to pay you, and of course, you know you, you know that anyone who ever knows minimum wage understands that. But what you're describing is the living wage, which, you know, I think what you're saying is that the people should not be. Uh, tolerant of anything less than that because this is what we need minimally to live our life well the only people who are tolerant for less of less than that are the bosses of course who want to maximize profit and so they're in the game of maximizing profit they're not in the game of ensuring a lifestyle uh, which I think kind of points at a real distortion in the way the labor market works because you know usually you know the people that have some commodity or some good, are the ones who are deciding, you know, what the price is or what they'll sell their thing for. 
But in the labor market, it's exactly opposite. As a as a worker, I have to take whatever wage that I can get, or I starve to death. And so, in our system of government, the in our system of economy, excuse me, the labor market is a is a buyer's market. In other words, the bosses are the ones buying our labor, and they're paying us a certain amount of money for it, where we don't have a lot of power or say in what they they pay us yeah we could technically negotiate but usually that negotiation business is left for white collar workers go try to negotiate at a domino's for your wage it doesn't doesn't work like that they're like well here's here's the negotiation take it or leave it and you like food so you take it whatever that is and so the minimum wage is is a dictate by the government to tell these employers well this is the least you have to offer I, I agree with you, and, and, and I know that, and, and I know everything you said to be true. I just wonder why Americans who live in America, especially, are so accepting of such a bad minimum. I mean, for example, a, a loaf of fresh bread where I live in Turkey is, I think, the equivalent of 25 cents. No matter where I go in the country, I can go get a fresh loaf of bread for 25 cents because it's government-subsidized. Um, the, the, the cost of, of like day-to-day living on basic needs and basic necessities is kept low. Now, if I want to buy a loaf of bread with, let's say, fresh figs in it, then it's an artisan bread, and, and that can be charged. The, 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 the person making it, the bakery, can charge however much they want because that's a special bread. But the minimum, so that everyone can have you know, quality ingredient foods are kept at a price in which everybody can afford with their minimum salary, with their minimum wage, which Turkey also has. You know, so it begs the question, you know, how can we accept as as citizens and as a people, a, a government that's allowing to set a minimum wage at the le- at a level below the minimum? Because you can't afford everything that you need with what you're getting paid. Well, I don't think we should. But on the other hand, what can we do about it? I don't. I don't think we have a lot of power to, to change the system because we're all sort of at its mercy. So, I mean, I guess, I guess that's, I guess that's my question. And, and I guess the, the question then becomes, what can we do to change? What, what can we do to, as a culture, to, to shift collectively and say, no, man, this isn't working. We, we voted you in, you're our leaders, and you're not meeting our needs, our minimum needs. You're not meeting them. We've elected you as our leaders to help us survive, and you're not giving us what we need minimally to survive. Do we need to maybe general strike? I'm, I'm curious. Well, I, in my opinion, I, I think that there's one way to do that, and it's to separate the bridge or the, you know, I don't know, the, the direct corridor between those who have money and those who make decisions. And I, I'm i not exactly sure how to do that from outside the system. We can't keep the system, because it seems like the, the, the system is so, you know, um, riven with these direct tunnels that even if we close one down, there's still 900 left. And every single time we close one down, they're, they're digging three more. And so, you know, I, I just don't, I don't know how to do it and save the the system that we currently have in this country. And I'm I'm to the point. I've but you know, in all fairness, I've been to the point 
in my entire life where I've never believed that there's anything worth saving in this system. And so I think that, you know, the, the option that we have is revolution. And I don't know anyone who's on board with what we actually need to do to actually have a revolution or what, what's going to cost us as a people as well to have a revolution. All this stuff that we enjoy today because of this capitalist system, it, it all goes away. Well, when we come back, we'll explore the idea of what direction we can go and um, is revolution the only answer or maybe there could be another one. We'll find out. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Marine and the Hippie. I'm Dylan. I'm the hippie from Turkey. And let me just tell you, Kolai Gelsen, may it be easy. Peace. Hey, you're listening to Marine and the Hippie. I am the Marine Doc, and I'm here with Dylan, who is the Hippie. And uh, we're talking today about minimums, minimum wage, minimum acceptance in society, what we're willing to live with and willing to work with and willing to accept. Uh, and we left off right before the break talking about whether or not a revolution is, is needed or if there's some other options. What do you think about possibly other alternatives to revolutions, Dylan? Um, I, I think what you had brought up is is this idea of what what the cost is. What would be the cost of a revolution, or what would be the the, the cost to America if if we did change, if we did have a major a major change? And if the major change is revolution, you know, I I, I always look back at. Um, I think it's the Mughals in India. Um, if you read their history, they, they're they're like they are the most violent people to read about. They 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 are violent to the max. They they have a, a huge population in the past to to produce more violence. I mean, and 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 when India went up against Great Britain, which they did. They had to do it in a different way. They had to redefine how they were going to revolt because there would have been too much blood in the street. So I look at America and I look at what America has, and America seems to have a couple problems. Um, one of the problems being our appreciation of guns, because there are, I think, 1.2 guns per person um, in America, something like that. There's more guns than people. So it seems like if we have a revolution, the revolution would have to be in a peaceful way um, or it would just be violent. And, I, and to be frank, a violent revolution, I don't think anybody is. I, I think we can romanticize it because of, you know, Marvel comics, Marvel movies and, and Hollywood. We romance this idea of, of, of war, um, of violence. And we think, yeah, we're, we can kill them all or video games or what have you. But um uh i don't think a uh, violence and blood in the streets especially when it's it's coming to your door and and towards your family is 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 the answer talk what, what do you think well i i 
you know, the, the, this this is a question between violent and nonviolent revolution, and I tend to, you know, I tend to agree that violent revolution. Number one, first of all, Americans certainly ain't ready for violent revolution. I mean, it it would, it, you know, you can't. You got a country of three hundred and thirty million people here, the vast majority of whom are apathetic and just take whatever is given to them you know, without complaining because all they want to do is continue to consume. And that's a pretty, you know, pessimistic outlook on, on the character, you know, and the moral character and the, and the willingness of this country, uh, of the people of this country to stand up for what they believe in and stand up for what they want. Um, but I, I think it's fairly realistic. I mean, if you think about it, most of the, most of the people in this country are, are not going to be participating in any revolution. And so the people who would, be willing to participate in a revolution and i count myself among this number i mean there's so much stuff that we got to do on a day-to-day basis that would prevent us from ever participating in a revolution successfully i mean i would never see my kids ever again that's for sure you know i would (laughs) I, i could expect to leave my house and leave my kids and you know go out on the front line and either be shot or be captured and put in a jail forever i'd never see my kids ever again i mean am i willing to sacrifice that for a bunch of people who don't give a rat's ass about what i'm doing i don't think so you know i mean so there's so much in our society there's so much militating against a violent sort of revolution so we almost have to go you know the peaceful revolutionary route but in that sense then peaceful revolution takes a a zillion years and so consequently because the system is constantly reinforcing itself and the people who are not actively opposing it are constantly reinforcing the system and rebuilding the system wherever they can, then you tend to see a peaceful revolution either never taking place or taking place so far after my lifetime is over that I will never see any of the benefits of it. So what's the what's the point of doing it, you know? Well, the point of doing it, it's clear, is to provide a provide a better future for your kids, you know, and, and for, for the planet. But... I'm just thinking here, and I'm thinking about what what a peaceful revolution would look like, and I'm thinking about, um, you know, kind of what's happening in the news today, and and what kind of what, what we were talking about. Um, we're looking at, you know, the the GameStop fiasco or the GameStop coup, which is now is being referred to by some of the billionaires because they're comparing it to what happened on in in the Capitol on the on January sixth. And I just wonder if it's possible for us as Americans and, and us as as people on on the internet and and social media, to start of the vibration, um, you know, to, to start a vibration like a blinker or, or a bright light, um, or or a slogan, kind of like "Not Me Us," and just just put it everywhere all the time, ding 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 ding, just not to annoy, but to kind of to draw attention to, and by doing that, kind of raise awareness and. Uh, raise i don't know i guess raise the vibration so people can't ignore it so that there's there's thousands or millions of people kind of every time on every post on everything in uh, across the globe on the internet is just as one one kind of symbol or statement or fact that we're trying to get change that that we're saying this is what we need we want a new minimum and this is it and until you do it this blinking light is not going on this blinking light is going to continue or something like that. But we'll explore that when we come back or um, after the break. Hey, this is Doc with Marine and the Hippie. I'm the Marine. And let me just say, 
Make love, not war. Peace. Welcome back to the Marine and the Hippie. I am the Hippie from Turkey in Turkey, um, in the Middle East, and talking to Doc in the United States. We ended with the idea, with my idea of a blinking light and um, kind of a, a symbol of, of some sort that, that just creates vibrations. Doc, what do you think? I'm I'm sort of pessimistic, or I'm I'm uh, you know under what they would say under on the Twitter activism. I think that you know there are there are more Twitter accounts. There are no more social media accounts than there are people on the planet. You know, there's something like 12 billion Twitter accounts. <laughs> and it's, and so, you know, I mean, I maintain too myself. I maintain an all, alternative uh, Twitter account as well as my main, but I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not really sold on the idea that being crazy and being loud and being an activist for change and being a revolutionary on Twitter you know, equates actually making a difference uh, in the society. And I think that's really unfortunate because there, Twitter had so much promise and social media had so much promise to bring so many people together. And, and But the idea is they have to get off Twitter and go out on the streets and actually meet the people that they met on Twitter. And, and it seems like very few people are willing to, to, to do that. Yeah, I think it's, it's hard. I think a lot of people aren't willing to put their, their false identities kind of aside and say, hey, here I am. And, and really connect with people um, in real life. You're probably right about that. Yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder what the what what the answer is. I mean, but but we can certainly one of the things that I can see about the left that that we both belong to is that we're really good at identifying the problems, um, and we can see these problems very very clearly. But what where we where we seem to fail at, and part of it is because we don't have a strong enough voice is that identifying and, and building manageable solutions to, to solve these problems. I mean, or, or, or getting them implemented um, or agreeing upon them. And there's, there's also another thing that, that goes with that, though, is that the last thing you said there, agreeing upon the solution, is, is, I think is key. Because even when we do come up with solutions, you know, like suppose, you know, there's a whole, people, a whole bunch of people talking about this GameStop thing. A lot of people don't really understand how the market works, and so they're buying in, as we talked about before the show, on the back end when the price is really high. You know, if they buy in at eighty dollars and they see the price go up to three hundred twenty dollars, great, they're going to make a ton of money. But the reason why the price went up to three hundred twenty dollars on GameStop, GameStop is because a, a ton of really huge investors bought huge blocks of the stock, and they're going to sell those blocks of stock. And leave the people who bought in at eighty dollars ending up having to sell at twenty dollars, and that means those people are going to take a bath. So a whole bunch of people lose a lot of money whenever big people win. And you know, figuring out, you no, know, there's a whole bunch of people say, well, this is an attack on capitalism. This is an attack. This is how we strike back on capitalism. It actually doesn't work like that, and people don't understand that. And and so I think that a lot of the the fact that we're not coming up with 
good solutions to the problem comes with the fact that we don't really understand. I mean, we, we, we claim to know what the problem is, and we can see the problem pretty clearly in front of us. But we don't understand the system that created that problem. We don't really understand that. And I think in order to get to the point where we can come up with a solution, which should be obvious that everybody can agree on, is I think that people require a lot of education that they're just not getting from anywhere. I, I mean, I agree with you. I agree with that, um, that education and dialogue is a change. And it's got to be... It's got to be open and it's got to be open to say, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. And really be always working forward. What I've, what I've noticed that you just brought up capitalism and the GameStop thing is that the biggest challenge that, that I see right now is that you have millions of people trying to play this game or be some people like you and I, who are trying to build a voice to be, to, to help others and other people, as you said, just, kind of not taking action but still being at the same socioeconomic level and not doing not really just not taking action uh, and action in playing a game in which we all want to play the game we want to play the game with the billionaire class and and where we have been taught and where we have been educated is that a game has rules so we try to understand the rules and we we play we play by the rules as best we can and sometimes, yeah, sometimes we do things a little bit underhanded, like, you know, a quarterback sneak or, or something like that. But it's still within the, the realm of what the rules are. The problem with this group up that, that, we're, that we're, we want to challenge is that, from my point of view, they're, the, they're playing the game and writing the rules as they're playing it so that they always win. So if, if, if I shoot and I score, I win. But if I shoot, sometimes when I shoot and I score, they win. And, and, and now we're, we're at this point where, again, we don't know what's up and what's down. And our minimum needs aren't being met. I think that's exactly right, Dylan. I think that the fact that we play by a different set of rules than the wealthy in this country do is what guarantees that no matter what we try to do to change the thing, as long as we continue to play within the same system, within the same rules, we we're never going to win. They're always going to out, you know, outclass us, outmaneuver us, outjuke us. Every single time we think we got, you know, to use the sports metaphor, you know, every t- every time we think we got a tackle, that's ruled illegal, you know, and and the referee call the, calls the ball back to the five yards or whatever, and we start to play again, and we keep doing it over and over again until they actually get the ball because we're so exhausted because we then we fumble it. You know, to mix your metaphors with sports and capitalism, if you're not on either of those those two levels, I'm sorry. But, you know, I think that we need to – I think the only way we're actually going to win the game, the only way we're actually going to beat these people is to not play the game. And I'm going to I'm gonna close out my part here with a throwback to, like, 1982's War Games where that computer goes crazy and tries to launch all the nuclear missiles. And the way that – the way that Matthew Broderick is able to trick the computer into not launching the missiles is to teach it. The only way to win the game is to not play. Maybe we should try a different game. I agree. So let's leave it on that. Yeah. Maybe we need to not play their game. And that's what I say. Don't play the game, you know, because you're always going to lose. It's a, it's a sucker's game if you're not the people who are writing the rules. Absolutely. No, man, that's that's cool. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's... that's that's where we're at. I mean, like in my life, that's, you know, when I, when I first, first 
day or second time we met and I said, yeah, you should be an international teacher, man. Like, cause you have capital. I mean, you have, you have a, you have a degree and you could come into this field and it's the opposite world, man. It's like you would apply to a couple of jobs and those jobs would be like, Hey, we're going to give you an apartment. We're going to give you medical. We're going to give you dental. Um, we're going to give your kids schooling. Going back to like what Henry Ford said, what Henry Ford did, you know, it's like building a whole, a whole, a whole school community, a whole school system. Instead of, oh, you're, I want to hire you as a teacher, but I don't care where you live, where you eat, where you sleep, you know, where you buy your clothes, can you afford them, how how you get to and from work. I don't get to care about that. I just care that you come in and give me fifty hours a week, and you do a, you do a perfect job with the kids. But I don't care that you're sleeping in your car because you, because you have a, a huge student loan and you can't afford a one-bedroom apartment. As Americans, I think we all have to, and even people of the world, but Americans especially, you know, this, this show is probably going out to Americans. You know, we got to learn to accept a different level of minimum. We got to learn to accept a different level of what we, the least we'd be willing to accept. And we got to not have our minimum needs be dictated by the boss's you know, need to maximize profit. And I think that that's where we're at in a society right now where we take whatever we can get. We're so happy with the crumbs and it's just, it's, it's a, it's a losing game. We're always going to be on the losing side of that, that scenario. It's really sad, man. It's sad. I mean, like I, I spoke to my friend, Jan, I have a good friend, Jan. He's a Moroccan, a French, French Moroccan, um, working in France, uh, like a few months before the COVID crisis, lost his job. The job gave him a severance pay and within that severance pay was, you know, was enough, was money purpose to retrain to do another job. Yeah, we'd never get that in this country, that's for sure. (laughs) Hey, uh, you've been listening to Marine and the Hippie episode two on minimums. Uh, I'm Doc and I'm here with Dylan and uh, Dylan, you got anything you want to plug before we go? Um, nope. Have a good week. And if you're looking for a cool blog to read, observations from the spectrum dot org. Right on. And we got a Twitter account of at Marine underscore hippie. And it's with an IE hippie with an IE. So check us out on Twitter at Marine underscore hippie. And then we also have Marine and the hippie, uh, at gmail.com and check that one out. Uh, send us an email. Let us know what you think of the show. And uh, for this week, I'm Doc. I'm Dylan. And peace. You're listening to the Marine and the Hippie. information on the marine follow doc at supernova underscore earth on twitter and listen to the supernova earth show on spotify for more information on the hippie follow dylan at gezi and me on twitter and read his blog at observationsfromthespectrum.org